This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about persimmons. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so fun. And also fun to say, I really have discovered a love for the word persimmon. Yes. Every single time I typed it out, I was like, ooh, I get to say that. <laughs> yes. It's a delight to say. I highly recommend it. Um, and this was a topic... That you came up with, Lauren, when I was like, Lunar New Year is coming. What should we do? Uh, and that was news to me. I didn't know about persimmons in Lunar New Year. Oh, well, we, we, we we talked about it very briefly um, in our Foods of the Lunar New Year episode. Um, I had just been kind of like browsing through that. And I was going like, huh, what's up with the persimmon anyway? What is up with the persimmon? A very good question. Um yeah, I, I was telling Lauren, uh, I'm getting ready. Like, I can't go out and do things, but I'm determined to make, like, Lunar New Year foods oh, and Mardi uh-huh. Gras foods because that's coming up. And now, you know, I don't have much experience with persimmons at all. Um, I think our uh, coworker and friend, Tracy V. Wilson of Stuff You Missed in History Class, she suggested to me 
Or maybe she said it on an episode and it just seeped into my subconscious. Uh But somehow persimmon pudding. And I was like, hmm. And I made that and I absolutely loved it. It was so good. I don't know why I didn't make it again. Maybe it was difficult. (laughs) But (laughs) I made it that one time. That's my persimmon experience. Uh, Yeah, I I also do not have a lot of persimmon experience. Um, I don't think I've ever had them dried. Uh, I've had them fresh like, like, you know, you know, when you go to a supermarket um, and, and they have the little samples of fruit out, they yeah. had they had little samples um, out at uh, H Mart one time. And I think I, I don't think that I that I ate it like correctly. I think that you were supposed to kind of just like eat the 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 the, the gooey center out. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I ate the skin, and I was like, "This is gross." Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a it, it, the 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 skin's texture in, in that particular very ripe fruit was was just a kind of kind of hard and pasty, and I didn't I didn't like it. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. now now I know now I know better. Um, so yeah, so I I also write like that that is. That is the extent of my persimmon experience. Um, I've kind of never gone back after that. And after having done this research, oh my gosh, I really want to. I like really, I've been needing an H Mart run anyway. So I think it's going to happen. It's time to make up for your past experience. They're very sweet. I remember being shocked at how like, not sickeningly sweet, but just like nice, sweet flavor. Also, they look cool. They look like a fruit from a video game world or something. They do. They do. Yeah. Um, Yes. uh, But I suppose this brings us to our question. Yes. Persimmons. What are they? Well, uh, persimmons are... Persimmons. Uh, that I usually say something <laughs> clever here, but like I've never really read about a fruit like this, and so I'm just gonna say it is what it is on the label. Um, <laughs> they're uh, they're about the size and shape of a of a tomato, um, uh, kind of squatly round or or uh, ovular and sort of pointed one way or another, depending on the variety. Um, they're golden to red to to brown in color when they're mature, and uh, they usually still come with a with a little. Uh, faux leaflet set kind of kind of on the top of them. So yeah, you get that little kind of cartoon look to them. Yeah. Um, super cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh the the tree uh, uh genus Diospirus is related to the date plum. The different species are tropical to temperate. They're all deciduous, which means that they will shed their leaves every year. Um the fruits are 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 very sweet, yes, and taste kind of kind of rich like sort of like a like a squash sort of flavor. With like a tiny bit mm-hmm. of fruity spice to them, um, yeah, yeah, uh, and they they do not have to be pollinated to bear fruit. Um, some persimmons are naturally seedless, but apparently the pollinated ones are like tastier, like sweeter. I don't know. Um, uh, also, hey, if you're buying persimmons at the store, do not worry about black spots on the skin. Um, those are apparently like sunburns that don't really affect the inner fruit. Sunburns. Sunburns. Persimmons couldn't get sunburned. I guess so. <laughs> uh, wow. They are also a rare fruit that is um, harvested in the fall to winter, sometimes so late that the leaves have already fallen from the trees or even after there's already been a freeze. And that is part of why they are a winter holiday fruit in some places. Right. And and they have an interesting lore that I read in a few places about 
the weather, which is doubly interesting because I recently went on this whole deep dive about what the what the hell is Groundhog Day, okay? <laughs> but um, anyway, according to the Farmer's Almanac, the shape of the seeds of a locally grown persimmon opened in the fall can be a predictor of what kind of winter we can expect here in the U.S., So a fork shape indicates a mild winter, a spoon shape that there will be lots of snow, like you got to shovel it, uh, and a knife (laughs) represents that the winter will be extremely cold and bite like a knife or be cutting. Oh. mm -hmm. And they do really look like those shapes. The spoon one is so cool. Um, There hasn't been much research into this, surprise, surprise, but according to some weather experts, it seems these persimmon-based weather predictions only turn out about 25% of the time. (laughs) Yeah. I guess we shouldn't look to the persimmon for our weather forecast. I think there are better ways of forecasting the weather at this juncture in in history, Um, but... uh... Cool, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, and and they and yeah, and they and they do really look like those shapes. So it's it's fun. I mean, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I get what the spoon and knife represent. What's a fork? These are the deep questions. These are the deep questions. Um, yeah, like in terms of shoveling snow and cutting, like the weather, right? Knife, but the fork. A, for, a, a fork is a shrug. It's just going like, I don't know, mild yeah. winter? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the fork isn't sure either. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, seeds uh, and weather predictive ability aside, um, there are two main categories of persimmons, um, astringent and non-astringent. And uh, astringency is the, the quality of things that make you pucker. Uh, like like drying and kind of bitter. Um, non-astringent persimmon varieties like Fuyu and uh, Jiro can be eaten fresh uh, out of hand like an apple or uh, peeled and sliced into any dish that you would slice fresh fruit into, either while they're still crisp or when they're a little riper, uh, softer and sweeter. They're also dried in slices like a, an apple or a mango might be. Astringent varieties, however, like um, Hachia, have to be uber-ripe to be eaten, like they are essentially inedible until they are jelly on the inside, Um, at which point you just scoop out that jelly and eat it straight or incorporate it into desserts like puddings. Yes, and I remember, because I've never bought a persimmon before, and people were online, I think, aware that a lot of us don't know the difference between persimmons, and there was like strict Uh instructions and a picture and like, get this one and not this one. Or else you'll be in trouble. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, th- these can, however, be made edible before they are that ripe uh, by, by, like, mushing them about in a number of ways. Um, uh, freezing or blending works. Drying, however, might be the most famous way of doing this um, because there is a Japanese delicacy called hoshigaki. Um, and these are made by peeling um, unripe hachia persimmons and then air drying them for a month or more and then hand massaging them every day until the insides turn into this like rich, Almost gummy-like, um, sort of like a like a whole fruit pate de fruit um, sort of thing. 
Um, and you know they're they're done uh, apparently when a fine powder of sugar crystallizes on the outside. Yeah, um, hachia are are oblong, sort of, sort of like a like a plum tomato, um, but uh, hoshigaki are typically um, rolled or like squished into a round disc, and they are served as a snack, often with tea. I've not had them. Apparently, the drying process really brings out like like honey and like fall spice kind of flavors. Oh, people love them. All the love all the reviews them. I read of them. Oh, they love them. And yeah, I want to try it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen them in markets and I was always like, what the heck is that? And like just ignored it. And now I'm like, what have you done? You've been wasting your you life. <laughs> Past Lauren. <laughs> Ruin everything for me. I <laughs> oh, know, right? Gosh. Mm, yeah, she's gosh. she's about 50-50. She's she's done some okay <laughs> things. Um <laughs> oh, that's good. I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, that, um, that astringency until they are very ripe is, um, is evolutionarily useful in, in a, in a fruit, um, because it prevents mammals from eating the fruit until the seeds are mature and ready to be spread. Um, and and the astringency is caused by tannins in the fruit, which, um, which, yeah, tannins will cause that dry feeling in your mouth, uh, by, by binding to the proteins in your saliva that make it slippery, um, therefore turning your saliva into like more like just water instead of saliva. Um, this is the same effect that you have when you, um, maybe drink like a, like a mint tea or, um, or a wine, like a dry wine or, uh, coffee has a little bit of this, uh, lemons, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it can be, it can be like a fine, uh, sensation in your mouth if it's just a little bit, but it can be very, off-putting if it's a lot because the the decrease in slippiness increases the friction between your tongue and the rest of your mouth and so it's just like ah oh that's so interesting <laughs> right yeah yeah side note researchers have used this this chemistry with tannins to make gloves okay that release tannic acid when you touch them because the slippery mucus layer on the skin of, for example, fish also reacts the same way to tannins. So the fish will become less slippy and easier to grasp. Oh. Wow. Fascinating. Huh. I love it. Huh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, as, <laughs> as a persimmon ripens, it will become less astringent because um, one of the like like ripe fruit compounds that that develop as fruits ripen um, binds the tannins up with each other, preventing them from reacting with your saliva. And uh, uh, freezing or blending or drying the fruit will will break the cell walls inside of the fruit, and thus similarly tie up the tannins. So so yeah, you, you don't get that drying effect. Uh, the bound up tannins in astringent persimmons when they are you know either very ripe or have otherwise been uh, treated, they're, they're thickeners. Um, and they account for that, for that jelly or pudding-like texture of these persimmons when they are uh, uh, ripe or dried or whipped. So, fun. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the non-astringent varieties do still contain some tannins, but less, like 2 to 20% of what you would find in the astringent varieties. Um, you can also make persimmon vinegar or wine or liquor. That's a thing that happens. <laughs> it is a thing that happens. Mm -hmm. um, and the vinegar one kind of surprised me. Uh, 
<laughs> I have a random question for you. Have you ever played Star Fox? Oh, heck, yes. Not in like 25 years. Yeah, it's been a long time for me too, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention my friend <laughs> who I played that game with. She uh-huh. hated Slippy, the frog. So every time you're saying Slippy, I can hear her like shouting like, damn oh. you, Slippy, because he always needed rescuing and she'd be like oh, doing her missions. Right. And then you'd hear Slippy on the intercom like, Star Fox, help me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that one's for you, Katie. I remember wow. your hatred of Slippy very well. <laughs> I didn't remember anything about that game until you started talking about it. The barrel roll. The barrel roll. Huh. Oh, I was a monkey. Terrible at that game. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, me too. That's why I let Katie play it yeah. and I just watched. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, I just had to put that in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, appreciated. Yeah, let's let's get back to the persimmons. What about <laughs> nutrition, Lauren? Uh well they, they are pretty sugary fruits, so watch out for that if that's uh, something that you are watching out for. Uh, they've got a good punch of dietary fiber that will help fill you up. You know, maybe eat it with like a protein and a little bit of fat to help keep you going. Um, they do have a good spread of vitamins and minerals, um, and a bunch of the compounds in persimmons um, uh, are being investigated for all kinds of potential health benefits. Uh, you know, like fruit is fruit's good for you. Tannins are good for you. Also, those tannins can apparently bind to snake venom and thus like the tannins from persimmons specifically are being investigated for helping with snake bites. Oh, that's so cool. I ran into all kinds of really wacky research <laughs> while I was <laughs> reading about this. The persimmons got to come into our fruit superhero group. They X-Men do. Group. Yeah. You know, like maybe the weather predicting is not their forte, but it's something no. they kind of do. But now yeah. you got the snake bite thing that's pretty cool. Oh, oh, mm. and, and apparently persimmon um uh like reduces the amount of alcohol that your body absorbs and also changes the way that you metabolize it so it can reduce the intensity of hangovers. What? <laughs> I don't know. That's amazing. Persimmon. Strange. Yeah, Uh, the leaves are also sometimes used medicinally. Um, (laughs) However, however, this one does come with a warning. Do not eat astringent variety persimmons on an empty stomach because these heckin' tannins that do this thickening can bind up in your stomach and create an indigestible mass that will require surgery. Oh, no. (laughs) What a bummer. You're like, ah, my favorite food. I guess I'll just have a... (laughs) Eat with other foods. This is so well recorded in the medical literature that there is a name for this particular type of bezoar. And and that is named after that genus name. Uh, It's a diospyro bezoar. So. Wow. Don't do it. Super Superhero indeed. You know, don't mess with superheroes. <laughs> this is what happens to you. <laughs> this is a very interestingly powered super I superhero. I like it. Uh, yeah, I like it too. It's kind of a quirky outsider <laughs> superhero. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what, what are you doing on this team again? 
<laughs> I can help if anyone gets bitten by snakes. <laughs> also, if you want to drink a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> we do have some numbers for you. Uh, China is the world's largest producer of persimmons. Oh, by far, like uh, 74% of the world's persimmons as of 2011. Um, uh, At that time, another 9% came from Korea and 4% from Japan. They're also grown um, in in, in temperate to tropical regions um, around the Mediterranean, the United States, South America, Southeast Asia, down into Australia and New Zealand. Um, Yeah, yeah, kind of everywhere. There's over 400 species. Dang. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of those uh, hoshigaki, um, those are, I said delicacy, and they are expensive. Um, they tend to run 4 to $5 a piece, like wow. per dried fruit. Wow. I mean, well, you do, you got to hand massage them every day. You it's do. <laughs> there is mild argument about how often they should be hand massaged. Of course there is. <laughs> of course there is. I like mild argument too, like kind of low key. Yeah, well, no one's like massaging too much. Yeah, yeah like no one's <laughs> mad about it, as far as I can tell. But some people are like, "Look, you really don't need to do that every day." <laughs> and other people are like, "You should probably do it multiple times a day." In my experience, you don't so care about your persimmons <laughs> like I do. <laughs> Um, you can make them at home, by the way. Like, it's pretty easy if you, you know, can remember to massage a persimmon a couple times a day. <laughs> so. Oh, wow. What a to-do list. Like, wake up, massage persimmon. <laughs> I got to go home. I got to massage my persimmon. <laughs> yeah, like, like uh, you know, like like in the before times, what would you do if you went out of town? Like, you'd, you oh. have to have someone drop by and massage your persimmon. <laughs> Yeah, it had to be somebody you trust. Right? With your persimmon. Uh. <laughs> like, oh, do you need me to get the mail? Oh, no, I need you to massage my persimmon. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, I also did find at least at least four persimmon festivals around the United yeah. States. The, the United yeah. States alone. I'm sure that they happen elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And listeners, please let us know if you know about these persimmon festivals. Oh, my goodness, yes. Always write in and tell us about a festival. <laughs> yes, yes, please. And we are going to talk about one of the bigger persimmon festivals in the history section. Oh, we will. And we're going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. 
What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, so I I did want to start with a disclaimer on this one, too. Because there's some confusion about Asian varieties of persimmons and American varieties of persimmons throughout history. Because um, people weren't always clear when they were which one they were talking about when they were talking about it. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So just to put that out there. Um, tried to get to the bottom of it. But persimmon confusion, mysteries, histories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there, there are varieties that grow natively in the United States. Um, yes. Yes, but, and that was one of those, like, research turns where I was like, oh, no. Because <laughs> I realized, like, I didn't know that. And like, oh, now I got to go back and check and make sure. <laughs> ah, now I know, and soon you will, too. So, um, mm-hmm. Asian varieties of persimmons most likely originated in China over 10,000 years ago based on written records, um, surviving art, and horticultural evidence. The Chinese have been cultivating persimmons for thousands of years, possibly as far back as 221 BCE, with large-scale cultivation beginning in the 600 CE, and the Japanese began cultivating them about 1,300 years ago. Yeah, so, so so probably like within about a hundred years after large scale cultivation began. Yes, yes. Um, and throughout history, persimmons have been utilized for all sorts of medicinal purposes um, as astringents, antiseptics for diarrhea, dysentery, diphtheria, dropsy, fever, gonorrhea, syphilis, hemorrhoids, and thrush, and a lot of other things. Like a lot of other things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because the wood is so sturdy, it's also been useful historically for oh. a wide range of things, um, from gun stocks to mallets to golf club heads. I mean, all kinds of things. And the bark could be used to make dye, so pretty useful. A lot of things Useful tree all around. Okay, right. cool. Mm-hmm. Huh. Why did I not run into that? Okay, please continue. <laughs> for, for once, uh, you know, I only got, like, the snake bite weirdness instead of the full, like, when you search for foods, for some reason, the internet loves to tell you about everything non-food related it possibly can. <laughs> right. Did you know that the tree is on can be used to make mats? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, and persimmons were the stuff of legend. Um, Multiple legends I found. Mm, mm -hmm. 
For instance, a Korean myth, uh, there's this Korean myth around the idea that persimmons are deterrents against predators, which, hey, maybe that snake bite thing. I don't know. But anyway, uh, probably stemmed, this whole idea probably stemmed from (laughs) the tiger and the persimmon. So this story goes that one night a tiger was prowling the outskirts of a village for a cow to eat. And unbeknownst to the tiger, a burglar was circling the town looking for a cow too. At the same time, a child was loudly crying in the village. And the villagers were determined to comfort this child. Okay. Yeah, they didn't notice the tiger or the burglar. They were focused on the kid. (laughs) So the cries drew the tiger's attention, and it crept closer and closer. But finally, a woman got the idea to feed the child a dried persimmon, and instantly the child is satisfied. The crying stops. The tiger thought some fearsome thing called a persimmon had frightened the child into silence and quickly retreated. (laughs) Um, and the burglar mistook the tiger for a cow and jumped on it. Startled and terrified, the tiger bolted out of the village with the burglar on its back, <laughs> believing the burglar to be this deadly persimmon. Oh, no. I love it because I know this is a Korean legend, so the word wouldn't be persimmon. But in English, the word persimmon is lovely and not scary at all to me. So I like the idea of this tiger being like, persimmon! (laughs) No! Early European explorers frequently compared persimmons to plums. That's another mix-up that happens sometimes. And also meddlers, which I had never heard of. But that, that came up a lot. Um, the first known written description of a persimmon dates back to the mid-1500s in the writings of the Gentleman of Elvas, who is an anonymous author, in his Tales of DeSoto's expedition through the southeastern United States. He mentioned persimmons multiple times and wrote, They are better than any plums that are raised in Spain and much better than prunes. Why you gotta do the prune that way? Oh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So these are common persimmons. What he was describing are American persimmons, which do share a genetic ancestor with Asian varieties. According to newish research, I think there's still research is ongoing about this. Sure, Um, yeah. Yeah, but so these were new to Europeans when they arrived to North America. They had never seen them before. The first written English description for persimmons was featured in Thomas Harriet's 1588 work, A Brief and True Report of the Newfound Land of Virginia. He wrote, They are red as cherries and very sweet, but whereas the cherry is sharp sweet, they are luscious sweet. Oh. Yeah. Sharp sweet. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess maybe like acidic. They're, they yeah. might be talking about acidic. Yeah, I mean, cherries can pack a punch. Like, it can be like, pfft, right Yeah, they the can. They can. <laughs> Although they're a sweet variety of cherries, too. Anyway, sure. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, and the first written use of the word persimmon showed up in 1612 in William Strachey's, Strachey's or Strachey's, perhaps, um, Travel into Virginia, Britannia. Uh, but <laughs> there were so many names and spellings for persimmons. Oh, my gosh. Like, the... The paper I got this from, it was literally like almost an entire page of names. It was wild. Um, but some of the some of the my favorite examples were uh, Virginia plums, 
hoot shamans, piss mean plums, <laughs> piss shaman, persiminas, pitchuman, possumon, goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> wow. Okay, There's, yeah. Yeah. Um, words for persimmon from Native American languages were also used by the French in Louisiana and Illinois. And yeah, as you can imagine, this also adds a layer of difficulty when you're doing research into the history of persimmons. <laughs> yes. Uh, one theory suggests that the word means choke fruit, formed by combining a prefix and suffix from a native language or actually kind of a family of languages. Linnaeus gave the persimmon our modern scientific name in 1753. The common persimmon made its way to England at least by 1629 when John Parkinson described them growing there. And written records show that in 1775, persimmons were in France and in Italy by 1790. George Nicholson wrote about a large persimmon growing in England's Kew Gardens, allegedly gifted to King George III by the so-called tree monger, the Duke of Argyle. Tree monger. That's a tree monger. Love it. Solid, yeah. Europeans used persimmons both for food and medicinally, as did Native Americans. The persimmon was integral to the diets of southeastern Native Americans, um, enough so to show up in lore as the origin story of the raccoon. That's also a really fun story. It's about a man who couldn't resist the temptation of persimmons. So he was turned into a creature <laughs> cursed with paws like human hands. The raccoon. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's um. not a curse. That's that's great. Raccoons are buddies. Oh, I don't know. I don't know, Lauren. Have you ever been met an angry raccoon? <laughs> they're scary, I tell you. No, they're they're terrifying. They're completely terrifying and also one of my favorite creatures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I also really like raccoons, but they're scary. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, sure. <laughs> respect. Yeah, respect. Respect the raccoon. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, Two written accounts about DeSoto's expedition in the southeastern United States mention persimmon bread, favorably describing it, like, really good reviews. Uh Um, And in the ensuing centuries, several pieces of writing from Europeans in North America describe persimmon bread, one calling it the, quote, most delicious fruit from Illinois to the sea. Um, Entire families went out to gather persimmons for bread. The fruit was then mashed, sieved, boiled into a thick paste, turned into bread, and either dried in the sun or grilled over a fire. Those reviews seemed to prefer the sun-dried version, but would, they would eat both. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and this isn't like a like an add-in. You're not like adding this this uh, this kind of paste into like a loaf of wheat bread or something like that. This is this is making a thick dough from the fruit goo itself, you know, using those those tannins again when you when you uh, uh, kind of treat them in this in the, in this specific way and then baking that goo up into um, a bread. And I I couldn't find a really specific description of like of like the taste or the texture. Um, yeah, just people were like, it's so good. I'm like, why? <laughs> they were like, really great. I'm like, no, tell me why. <laughs> mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's now Illinois is a is a big center of American persimmons, apparently. Yes, yes, apparently. Other than bread, persimmons were eaten fresh, dried, and put into puddings and pies, and fermented to make beer, brandy, wine, and cider, and vinegar, yes. Uh, and the seeds may have been used in games. These oh. seeds are pretty cool. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> One of the first written examples of persimmon beer came from 1705's The History and Present State of Virginia by Robert Beverly. He claimed that the, quote, poorer sort brewed their beer with persimmons. Huh. Yeah, I know. Um, decades later in 1773, Pear Calm's work Travels into North America detailed how English and Swedish colonists brewed persimmon beer. And he gave uh, an explanation of the brewing process that was pretty detailed. Um, several other following works from and about parts of North America that grew persimmons included mentions of persimmon beer. In 1790, Luigi Castiglione wrote that persimmon beer had a, quote, sweet and heady flavor that keeps on improving in quality even after a long time. And uh, that persimmon beer was also highly reviewed. People seemed to really like it. Um, I don't know what that guy was all about, but <laughs> In 1771, the Philosophical Society of Philadelphia tasked Isaac Bartram to experiment with persimmon brandy to lessen the dependence on West Indian rum. And he arrived at a very specific set of instructions, like really scientific, how much land, how much money you should spend, just the whole thing. Uh, years later, in 1817, French botanist François-André Michaud wrote that making a profit off of brandy made from persimmons was impossible, um, and that the apple and peach would be a better choice if we were going to try uh-huh. to go this route. Mm. He mm. really put the foot down on the persimmon. In 1754, The Natural History of Carolina, Florida, and the Bahama Islands by Mark Caspi included this description of the taste of persimmons left to dry on tree branches— The fruit, having then lost much of its watery parts, is shriveled, candied, and very luscious, resembling in taste and consistence raisins of the sun. It's the second time luscious has come up to describe persimmons in this outline. Mm. Yeah, it's it's that something about that texture, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. However, uh, you can contrast that with John Smith's 1612 description of an unripe persimmon, if it not be ripe, it will draw a man's mouth awry with much torment. But when it is ripe, it is delicious as an apricot. <laughs> with much draw torment. Draw a man's mouth awry with much torment. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. I, the superhero yeah. theme is here. It's The persimmon's got a lot going on. <laughs> a lot of strange stuff, as we said, but it's got a lot going on. Yes. <laughs> Uh-huh. The Confederacy used persimmon seeds for buttons. Um, someone wrote in 1863, if you use them for buttons, the washerwoman will hardly break them with her battling stick. Uh, or they'd grind up the seeds um, after roasting them to use as a substitute for coffee. And we've talked about this before in our okra episode. Um, but Oh, right, yeah. Right. Uh, in his work, Domestic Economy of the Confederacy, D. Dodge wrote, No privation caused more actual discomfort among the people at large than the want of coffee. And allegedly, the ground-up persimmon seeds uh, substitute was one of the better ones. People thought, this is one of the best ways I can pretend that it is coffee. <laughs> it's not coffee. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. In an 1863 column from the Montgomery Weekly Advertiser, the author wrote, The seeds of the persimmon, when roasted and ground, produces a beverage which cannot, even by old and experienced coffee drinkers, be distinguished from genuine coffee. That's amazing. 
Um, I don't know if I believe it, but uh, I feel like there were a lot of people who were writing about a lot of these coffee alternatives and going like, it's totally like coffee. This is very much similar to coffee, and I'm not mad about not having coffee right now at all. (laughs) A doubter. We must perform a savor test. (laughs) I do have a hard time. Like, even when we did the okra one, it's just hard for me to imagine how that could be. Like, I'm willing to believe it. It's just hard for me to imagine. Maybe one day. Yeah, you're, I guess, I guess you're more, you're more like hopeful than I am. Now I just feel jaded. Okay, anyway. (laughs) You're jaded to this whole coffee game. Uh, and ripe fruit, ripe persimmon fruit was turned into syrup and green persimmons were used for ink again in, in the Confederacy. Um, a lot of 19th century European literature about persimmons focused on how to improve cultivation. Um, but still compared to other fruits, it really didn't get that much attention. There was a renewed interest fueled by arriving Japanese immigrants in the United States in the 19th and 20th centuries. And they brought... Japanese persimmons with them, these Asian varieties, along with traditions around them like hoshigaki, where uh, it mostly stayed within these immigrant communities for a while. Um, And growers tried grafting different varieties together, uh, some of these newly introduced uh, Asian varieties. And some of those grafts experiments were quite successful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. On top of that, the USDA introduced cultivars of persimmons to California from the 1870s to the 1920s. However, some people viewed persimmons as an annoyance. (laughs) In a 1901 issue of the Daily Review, the author wrote, The growth of old persimmon trees in the South has been looked upon as a curse. The persimmon trees will spring up almost like corn. It takes a lot of digging and grubbing to keep them down. Beware of the curse! Beware! (laughs) It's one of my favorite movie <laughs> quotes of all time, The Mummy, 1999. Um, also, this is it said it was from Decatur, and I think it's Decatur, Georgia, but I couldn't actually find it. And hmm. Warren, I, I know we've talked about this before, but I once took a job in Decatur, Georgia, because I thought it was in Decatur, Georgia, but there is a Decatur, Alabama. And so— Oh, yeah. There's like Decatur's year, all over the place. So. I had to commute to Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Decatur was very— It was beautiful. And a lot of good pecans. Um, Anyway, Augustine Henry and Henry John Uwes uh, wrote about persimmons in 1912 that it is, quote, little valued as human food, though eaten by animals. It sounds like they were just kind of out of the loop, though, because people were eating persimmons. (laughs) But so were animals, especially opossums. There were multiple songs and poems linking possums to the persimmon tree, talking about their love of persimmons. In interviews with the Federal Writers Project in 1936, former enslaved person Millie Evans gave recipes for persimmon cornbread and pie. And I just thought persimmon cornbread. How interesting. I never thought of that or heard of that one. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And okay. Mitchell, Indiana <laughs> held their first persimmon festival in 1946. Apparently, the town water tower has a persimmon painted on it. I've seen a picture of it, but I don't know if it's still there because it's kind of an older picture. Mm-hmm. And this festival lasts for a week and has all kinds of events, contests, entertainment. In recent years, the festival has seen upwards of 30,000 attendees. Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. 
I know. That's great. I know. <laughs> I want to go. Uh, um. Oh yeah. Oh, well, someday it'll. <laughs> we'll. 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 We'll get back out there, Annie. It'll be okay. Um. Thank you. In the 1970s, some researchers developed a, a process for making astringent persimmons um, uh, reduced in tannins while they're still firm. Um, and so some markets began to roll those out. Um, in 2004, uh, jumping ahead just a tiny bit, this uh, Japanese documentary that was over a decade in the making uh, came out um, about this one small town in Japan whose um, whose traditional product was um, the, uh, the the dried persimmons oh. and uh, and yeah just just following the 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 lives and the and the life cycle of um, of these people in this product um, it's called red persimmons um, in in English and uh, yeah there's it's 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 out there it's available I've heard that it is ridiculously gorgeous oh um, yeah <laughs> Um, and persimmons have grown in popularity in the United States, thanks in part to social media, the internet at large, and their increased appearance on menus. And uh, one of the there was an NPR article I, I read about hoshigaki specifically, and how kind of younger people are are, are into this idea and wanting to learn how to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it would be a good quarantine project. That's true. If you're done with the sourdough, or like you're looking for something else to do with. Your sourdough yeah. project or whatever food projects you got going, this, I think this would be a good one too. I bet it'd be a stress reliever. Right? Yeah. Just, just, just something small that you can do every day that, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, maybe. Maybe I'll add persimmons <laughs> to my epic grocery list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never, I, I've been meaning to start the sourdough thing. I think I promised that like three months ago. I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> you will. You will. I um. will. <laughs> I think that's what we have to say about the persimmon for now. It is. Uh, we do have some listener mail for you. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. 
Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener Listener mail. So luscious. You know... (laughs) Sometimes I think it's very clear how out of touch of certain things I am. <laughs> but, you know, that makes it interesting. We all have different areas of expertise. <laughs> we do. We do, Annie. And that's okay. You know, I wouldn't, you know, parties would be so boring if you showed up and you were like, have you heard about this pineapple fact? And everyone there was like, yes, I also specialize in pineapple facts. Oh, that I would be so sad. I think I would leave the party. <laughs> it's like that time I went to a party, it's a Halloween party, and I uh-huh. went as Rainbow Bright, and somebody else was Rainbow Bright, and she was a better Rainbow Bright, and so I like literally oh. turned around and left. I like opened the door, went, nope. Oh, buddy. <laughs> oh, no. It was also really, Aww. really cold. It was like 11 degrees. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? This isn't worth it. <laughs> That's, so I, I think that's fair. I think and watch Hocus Pocus yeah. and ate mac and cheese. So <laughs> it's a good day. <laughs> um, Stephanie wrote, Your Saffron episode made me laugh as soon as I heard about the food fraud and crime aspect. A few years ago, my husband and I couldn't find Saffron in any major grocery store in the U.K., We went into a little corner store to buy random junk food, and on a whim, I asked if they had any saffron. I fully expected the guy to say no, but instead he stared at me for a second, looked around the shop, then told me to wait right there. He went behind the till, rummaged around for a second, then pulled out a tiny vial of saffron strands that were packaged in the most witchy way. Cork stopper on a tiny triangular vial, no labels or anything. He asked for three pounds, probably three times what I've paid for a similar amount at a grocery store. But since we couldn't find it anywhere, I just shrugged and paid it. As soon as we paid for our stuff, he ushered us out of the shop as quickly as possible. We had no idea what had happened. When we Googled it, we found that the UK had heavily restricted the flow of saffron into the country. So this guy had probably smuggled it in, was making sure we weren't cops. I'm such a rule-following teacher's pet, so it was really funny to think we bought illegal goods in the form of paella ingredients. (laughs) Wow, yeah, that vial, I would have been like, what is happening here? (laughs) That's wonderful. I mean, I'd be happy to get a vial out of it, to be honest. I mean, right? Like, a good, weird little jar is is, is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that it was triangular. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Well, I've never had an experience like that in my life where I was in the grocery store and somebody was like, come over here. (laughs) (laughs) But now I know. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, me, me neither. 
Uh, I guess I've never thought to ask. I guess the the only time I did one time on Christmas morning or maybe Christmas Eve morning, um, go ask my local Jewish deli if they would sell me like, I don't know, like a like a half pound of jam because I <laughs> was supposed to bring a jam, this jam tart to oh. to my friends like like Jewish Muslim lesbian Christmas party and I had forgotten that stores are closed on <laughs> right Christmas. did you get the jam I did I did they sort of like looked at me weird and then they were like yeah that's five dollars like that like it was just <laughs> I was like thanks I'll take some rugula too bye like <laughs> I bet they were like, what is going on here? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I explained the situation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they got you out of a gym. They all. Oh, oh, they did. Sorry. And it made a great Linzer torch. So awesome. we all won. Everybody won. <laughs> it all worked out. Excellent. And no <laughs> illegal jam was bought. <laughs> no, 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 no. Totally legal I mean, I mean, I you know they they were a deli counter. They served all kinds of things, or they they sold all kinds of things in little tubs. So sure, why not? Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> Chad wrote, "I know this is an older episode, but I recently tried jackfruit and went back to listen to the jackfruit episode again. I cut up a fourteen pound jackfruit." It took me one to two hours, and yes, the sap is a hassle. The ripe fruit has an addictive taste and smell. I really think more products should make use of that. Um, I suppose jackfruit isn't a very sexy name for marketing fragrances or flavors. I tried boiling the nuts, as directed, after they were pretty bland and a bit mushy. Unsure of what to do with them, I ran them through the food processor. I regularly make homemade nut butter that way. The nuts turned into a big glob of what could only be described as dough, presumably due to the water they soaked up. I ad-lib cooked, uh, hand-mixing the dough with an egg, baking powder, honey, salt, and oil, and baked it into recognizable biscuits. Not particularly good biscuits, mind you. Uh, They were dense, not fluffy, and the texture was a bit off. I suspect that could be fixed with some recipe tweaking. I had gotten the jackfruit to try making fake barbecue shredded pork. Alas, that doesn't work so well with ripe fruit, uh, although the result still tasted good on top of baked sweet potatoes. Ooh. Uh, jackfruit being so productive and hearty, I hope it gains more widespread adoption. I'd certainly be happy to purchase the processed fruit, ripe and unripe, but I don't think I'll ever cut up a whole jackfruit and deal with all that sap again. I mean, yeah, that sounds like an ordeal. Uh, right? Wow. Gosh. 14 I mean, pounds. heck. <laughs> Oof. Yikes. Oh, and I, I know I've told the story before, but I've had a, a baking fiasco where I just was, stuff was sticking everywhere. And I was like, what do I do? Because it's on my hands and I can't touch anything. <laughs> so I can imagine the sap was quite the hassle. Yes. I love it when listeners write back about older episodes because it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We did that. Yeah. We did. And the jackfruit was really interesting. <laughs> and there's a lot of things you could use it for. Um. Yeah. I still don't think I've gotten my hands on anything that, that contains it. But, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've, had, I've had the barbecue a few times since then. 
um, that you can mm-hmm. just buy mm-hmm. in the store. No cutting up yeah, of a 14 yeah. pound jackfruit required for me. <laughs> good. <laughs> yes, yes, I am not good. I'm very clumsy, so it would be disaster. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks to those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. You can also find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all three places at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.